Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. You're listening to WQYLDB Wakasha, the talk and music you want to hear. At home, at the office, or on the road, Enterprise Now with LZ Flanagan. Your, your, your choice for business talk. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. Welcome to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. I am your host, Elsie Flinnard, and we have a wonderful show for you tonight. Our ghost guest tonight is David Splitgerber with the Entrepreneur's Each Source, and he has a ton of wisdom and knowledge that he is going to share with us. But before we get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about our food drive that we held in partnership with Hunger Task Force. It was a, a huge success. We raised $405 and we raised 583 pounds of food to help feed the hungry. So big shout out to everyone who had anything to do with that food drive. We, um, we had a very successful drive and we're looking forward to next year. The other cool fun thing that I wanted to talk about is our name that mascot contest. Yes, you heard it. Name that mascot contest. We are having a contest to name our mascot. The person who uh, who is selected, who picks the name that is selected, will win a whopping 50 bucks. So if you want to win 50 bucks, help us name our mascot. It's easy to enter. All you have to do is go to our uh, Facebook page, um, go to the post where we're launching the contest, put your name out there. Once you get 50, 50 likes, we'll put that name on the list. That name's voted on. If your name wins, you win 50 bucks. That simple. Go to the uh, Facebook page. Put your name on, put the name on there, get 50 likes. We'll vote on it. If your vote, if your name wins, you get 50 bucks that easy. So help us name our mascot. We've already got a, a few very cool names. So um, hopefully we can get some some awesome names and uh, get that na- mascot named. So let's bring in our guest, David. Uh, thank you so much for being with us tonight. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for the opportunity to talk with you this evening. Not a problem. And as you heard, David, you're more than welcome to enter that contest as well. If you have a a snazzy name to help uh, us name our snowman mascot, if you go to our Facebook page and put your name in there, you get 50 likes. We'll put your name your uh, name in the in the queue, and if it wins, send you 50 bucks. I'll have to work on that one. (laughs) So let's get let's get into the into the show. I'm, I'm very curious to know. Um, what it is that you do and how you got to where you are today. As I always tell my guests, you can go as far back to when you were growing up or you can start right um, at, at present day. So tell us a, a lot about yourself, actually. Tell us a lot about yourself and how you got to where you are. Okay. I'll give you a, a brief snapshot of my career. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of even drop back, like you said, way back to as a kid. I've kind of been an an entrepreneur back in the days when I was uh, 14 years old. I had my first job. I purchased my first business, and that was back when there was still such a thing as a newspaper, paper route. Okay. And uh, one of my, one of the neighbors in our neighborhood was uh, getting too old for it. Uh, She was going into high school, and was going around the neighborhood asking if anybody was interested, and I had to put up money up front and did purchase the paper route and started in business myself, and I was up in the Green Bay market and uh, re- really enjoyed it. Uh, but then fast-forwarding into college, went to college, and then uh, my career out of college, I worked at UPS and was a supervisor for them. 
oversaw. They're building in about 300 employees and also got to manage or supervise or oversee about 25 of the supervisors and did that for a number of years and uh, enjoyed that. Very uh, stressful, uh, but I learned a lot of time management. It was a very time management-oriented business. Okay. And uh, so went from there and got into uh, a little more in the sales realm and went into working for Hallmark and was an account uh, representative or account executive for them and helped build uh, departments in retail stores and then moved up into overseeing more of uh, some of the chains, uh, supermarket chains in the Milwaukee Market Roundies, oversaw some of that. Uh, some of the other chains, and then started calling on their corporate headquarters for Walgreens down in Illinois at, uh, towards the end of my career there, and decided that wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and looked at what was out there, and my uh, wife is an occupational therapist, and I had always kind of been drawn to the health field, but my background wasn't in health, although I had taken a number of science courses in college, uh, so looked into pharmaceuticals, and I ended up in pharmaceuticals for uh, the previous 12 years. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, so it started out really in the realm that everyone thinks of, of the pharmaceutical representative at the time to some degree, uh, talking with physicians and nurses uh, in clinics about the products uh, that our company had and where it fit best. So unlike kind of what you may have seen in the media or on some shows where it's very pushy and uh, kind of rambunctious and kind of over the top, it's much more of an environment of a consultative approach. So it's talking to the physician and asking them about what they do, how they practice, and once you understand how they practice, letting them know about a medication for a certain disease state and how that may fit with patients and surprisingly enough, unlike what a lot of people think of the media may sometimes portray or has portrayed in the past or uh, like sometimes in Congress they have talked about it that, you know, it can be, sounds like it's a, a pay for play. It couldn't be further from the truth because you have to also very well tell these physicians where it does not fit. So in logical terms, when you think about it, if you told a physician, yeah, this medication you should use with everyone, everyone's always, you know, a lot of, most people have heard the ads on TV, you know, or on the radio talking about a medication and the side effect profiles. And that is part of what the job of a pharmaceutical representative had to do is have all that information memorized and know it by heart and be able to help a physician determine if a medication may or not be appropriate for a patient. So I did that for about seven years, and then the final uh, five years I moved uh, up in a little bit higher into the company I was in and called on hospitals and health systems, worked with them on developing protocols and pathways for their disease states. So uh, as healthcare reform took effect, it was important for hospitals to be able to ensure that a patient throughout, it, throughout their system is cared for, and we assisted hospitals in providing disease state protocols and information to ensure that a patient had uh, proper care all the way from the time they may be in the emergency department through discharge and then having potential home care. So uh, it was a very informative and very interesting part of my career, and I really enjoyed the aspect of uh, consulting with hospitals and hospital systems on helping them improve care for their patients. Uh, and we specifically worked in the disease states that uh, we were involved with. So uh, from there, as uh, you know, everyone kind of thinks of the pharmaceutical industry as as what everyone hears on you know the radio, TV. How many millions and billions they're making in the cost of medications? What typically isn't really talked about, except maybe in the business journals, is how volatile the industry is. And I was the company I was with for 12 years. There were uh, I went through five, six different, rest quote-unquote, restructures, which meant downsizing or, or which meant uh, laying off of people from the company. So as much as people think or see or believe that the industry is all about profits and that it's, you know, a money-making machine, uh, they typically don't see that, that side of it. So I didn't also see that, honestly, coming in. I expected as, you know, the baby boomers were aging, it would be an an age of continuing growth in the industry, and it is. The pharmaceutical 
electrical industry is still strong. But uh, as they went through the the company went through one of their most recent uh, restructures, I had a chance to step back and decided to move into another direction. So as I decided to move into another direction, I looked at other jobs and talked with my wife and said, you know, this is something I'd looked at for years and talked about with friends of what kind of businesses are out there and what can I get into, but I don't know about what businesses are out there. And I didn't have a product. You know, I didn't have the next widget or the next great idea, and I didn't want to start a restaurant for me personally. That wasn't, you know, in my blood. I didn't. I had worked for a restaurant, and I knew the business a little bit when I was a, you know, 16-year-old. So I didn't know where to go. So I was at some different networking meetings and uh, was part of a networking group where we sat around and talked about, you know, what your goals were, your plans were. And uh, actually a neighbor of mine was uh, looking to go into business, and he offered for us to go into business together. And so that was one direction I really looked at. And long story short on that, uh, our third partner ended up having some health problems. So we ended up not going into business uh, in that end. So I was looking at other avenues and what's out there, and someone gave me a card for a person for the entrepreneur source. And I called the individual, and his name was Marty, and uh, he said, you know, there, it's a no-cost, there's no obligation, and it's a no-cost service that we provide, which sounded kind of too good to be true, but took him at his word. And we sat down and talked about, and we he asked me questions about what my goals were for the future, what I wanted to do, what I had looked at, what I thought about, and I told him I was kind of in kind of no man's land. I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew I had really considered business ownership, but I was also looking at jobs and was going to be interviewing for jobs and looking at different things, and he said that's, you know, perfectly acceptable. I can help you with the route of looking at businesses. So we scheduled another conversation and talked more, and he learned more about my skill sets that I've kind of briefly touched on. We went more in-depth, and I took a couple different assessments, and we talked about the results of those assessments and went in a little bit more detail and talked about what other goals and needs I had, what kind of income I was looking to, you know, accomplish towards my future, what kind of lifestyle I was looking to accomplish, which, you know, in simple terms means what are you looking for in life, what kind of uh, work-life balance to some degree, what kind of flexibility would you potentially want in your career if it was in a business, what kind of wealth and equity are you looking to acquire or be able to accomplish over time. And those were all things we talked about. What are your goals for the future? What needs and expectations do you have, uh, you know, for your future? So, uh, we talked some more, had another conversation or two and three, and I continued looking at that. And uh, I told him, you know, at one point in time, I, honestly, I was sitting at my desk and was looking at two resumes I was putting together for two different companies. And how, because I wanted to get out of the pharmaceutical industry, they were two different types of businesses. So I wanted to make sure my cover letter and my uh, my resume were appropriately aligned to those opportunities to put them together. And as I looked back at my career and kind of read through my resume, I saw that every position I've had at every company I've been at since college had been in, I'd always been a trainer and I've always coached people throughout my career. And I've always also a lot of times been a mentor for others. And as I really sat back and looked that was actually one of the opportunities that Marty had mentioned was he was looking to retire and would I want to uh, kind of take over the southeast Wisconsin market. It wouldn't be limited to southeast Wisconsin. I could also work the entire state of Wisconsin, and on referrals, I could work anywhere in the United States. So that's kind of the, the long answer to the short question of how I ended up where I ended up. It fit for me because what I do is, now I coach people through the process I went through of thinking and having been in corporate America for, you know, over 20 years, I wanted something different. I wanted more control of my life. I wanted the opportunity to be able to make the decisions. And having seen from the company I had been at, senior management decisions that 
didn't make sense to me and didn't have a necessarily always a good business case for some of the decisions that were made. So I decided that was the way for me to go. And this fit because I could coach people and help people find what they were looking for. So that's what I do. Awesome. Awesome. So what I heard in your answer, you talked about in your, your past, your background in corporate America, how you did uh, lots of consulting with uh, hospitals and doctors. And um, what I heard also is in your, in your, uh, in your answer was the fact that your, your mindset going into starting your own thing, you didn't have a product, but you didn't let that stop you. Um, and the other thing I heard in there, and, and I'll let, give you a second to, to respond, is, is how you took your, the skills that you had in your corporate America job and those transferred into what you're doing now. Um, what I heard you say is you did training, uh, coaching, mentoring, and these are things that you identified as, uh, as items or, or parts of, of your job that you enjoyed. And you, you kind of translated that into uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, and that's why this fits for me. So in, I guess, kind of generic or generalist terms, there's two different types of people, the way I kind of look at it in general terms, that want to go into business. There's the type of individual that I call a visionary, and that's the type of individual that knows what they want. They either have an idea in mind of the next great product the next great service, a niche area where a service is not being met, a product is not there that should be there, uh, whatever the case may be. Those are the visionaries, and they have a unique ability to see that, to find that. And I kind of laugh, you know, when, I, when I've talked to other people and have said, you know, I'm not in a, you know, in, I don't have a great imagination. You know, I, I haven't been able to come up with that. I've come up with some ideas but either never followed through or decided kind of set them aside. Gotcha. So for the visionary, they need direction in a little bit different area than what I provide. So they would be looking for something where they already know what they want, they know what the product is or the service, and they need help in building that business plan and finding the resources. So I can help them with some of those and direct them into those areas. But where my business or my company specializes in helping individuals is the situation that I was in where I was coming out of corporate America. I had a lot of other skills that I could have employed. I mean, I have sales skills uh, and a lot of other things beyond that that I had involved. I had done supervision. I had managed employees. I've hired. I've fired. You know, things that, you know, no one ever wants to fire, but, you know, it's unfortunately a necessary evil, unfortunately, sometimes in business. And I'd reviewed and done, you know, P&Ls and had responsibility for that and expense reports, et cetera. But for me, that's the type of individual that I can really help. Someone that says, I want independence. I want control of my destiny. I want to be self-sufficient. I want that opportunity, but I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start. I've looked at things. I've gone on the Internet and put in businesses for sale. And what do you see? There's typically a fair amount of liquor stores, convenience stores, uh, some laundromats sometimes. And there's a handful of other opportunities. But uh, gas stations are typically there. But a lot of those are investments that are quite high at a million, million and a half for a liquor store, especially for a gas station or a convenience store. Uh, And there's other opportunities that are mixed in there but you don't know a lot about them and how do you research them. Mm-hmm. And that's the difficult part because then it becomes just overwhelming because there's thousands, when you really just say businesses for sale or business opportunities, there's thousands upon thousands of opportunities. And how do you sort through thousands of opportunities? Eventually you just get to the point where you're glossed over glazed eyes and say, I don't know what to do. And you just kind of either give up or you kind of end up in the paralysis situation of, I don't know what else to do. There's no re- I can't see how this is going to work. And you don't know where to go. And you kind of either stop looking or just kind of throw your hands up. So, and that's part of the emotional detours that you go through when looking at a business. Because you look at the different aspects of a business and you find the reasons why it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And you only typically have the basic kind of, you know, glossy covered brochure information of that business. 
so you don't understand the inner workings, how it works, and how do you find that out. It can be difficult, and getting into business, there's two different types of businesses. There's independent businesses and there's franchises, and I work with both, but I work mostly with franchise businesses, and I found there's a lot of advantages out there to working with franchises, Uh, and there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about franchises that we can get into, too, that we can talk about. But in general terms, when people are looking at businesses, there's a lot of fear. In fear, we've kind of made the acronym of its false evidence appearing real. Because of the emotional detours that you go through when you're looking at a business, you have a fear of the unknown. You have, a, you have that fear of not knowing what the potential is. You have that fear of not knowing if you have the skills and abilities to do that, uh, to, to run that business. And it's all based on fear, which is false evidence appearing real. And having the ability to look into a business and be able to talk to the people that are developing or the, the executives that run that business, being able to talk to owners uh, is very advantageous, especially, and that's what really can happen in the franchise world. It gives an, a, a person the ability to talk to multiple owners to understand from more than one person if that business fits or not. So there's independent businesses and there's franchises, and they're both good. They both have their advantages, and what I found is it just depends on the individual. Uh, is there creativity allowed in franchising? Yeah, there is. So, you know, what else would you like to know about franchising or about businesses or what else I do? Let's talk about um, a couple of things. So, in your answer, I heard you talk about franchises and their advantages. Um, it sounds like that's kind of your, your bread and butter in terms of um, you find individuals who are looking to go into business and you, you coach them. You help navigate them um, into a direction that best suits them. And so tell us um, about the advantages of franchising and, um, and what makes those, uh, what makes franchises in general a good option. Okay. So, like I said, there's two different types. An independent business, you can purchase an independent business, you can start an independent business, or you can own a franchise. In starting an independent business, you've got to do everything from making a marketable product, making sure you have a marketable product or service. You have to know how to market it, how to operate it, how to manage the business, uh, execute that operating plan, put together a business plan. You have to have ca- access to the capital, the expertise to run that business, have investors, have people to assist you in running it. Uh, you can purchase an existing business. There's a cost involved with that because now it's an existing business, but then there's the, the other end of the concerns of an existing business. It's an indiv- typically obviously going to be an individual site, so is that independent business, that existing business, is it at the peak of its business? You're not sure. You're talking to a, one owner. Is there, you know, honestly, is there two sets of books? Is that business uh, successful because of relationships? In other words, is, you know, business A in business and successful because Mary Jones has built up these relationships with her clients for the last 30 years, and they know her, love her, trust her, and do business with her regardless of, you know, a, a slight increase in price, and maybe they could get a slightly lower cost for that widget somewhere else, but they, they like Mary, they know what she provides, and she pr- provides a good service. Will you still have those customers after Mary leaves? Mm-hmm. You don't know. So those are some of the things, when you take the flip side of it, is what, a fran- what makes a franchise so unique. It's a proven system. It's got, you have training and ongoing support, you're in business for yourself, but you're not by yourself, and we can talk about that a little bit. And it's a win-win relationship between a franchisor and the franchisee. So the franchisor is the corporate, you know, kind of headquarters. The franchisee is the individual uh, business owner that would be in the market. And it offers that ability to have a proven system. It has the ability for you not having to have experience or background in that market, because they provide the training, the structure, the systems, the education for that business. Uh, You have a business partner that wants you to succeed. So an independent business, when that person sells that business, they'll typically help you run your business, you know, or help you out with getting it, you know, continuing that business, uh, 
to run and continue to be ongoing and successful for a certain amount of time. In a franchise, that's for the existence and lifetime of the business. And the more successful that an independent franchisee is, the more successful the franchise is as a whole. So the franchise wants to look out for its individual franchisee owners to be successful so that they're successful as a whole. It's regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. So every year, every single franchise business, and as a side note, franchise businesses are not all restaurants. Everyone thinks of like a McDonald's or a Subway or something. That's really only about 14% of the businesses that uh, we work with. There are so many different industries in the health field, like manufacturing, auto industry, service businesses, uh, health, health services. So the level and area that you can get into are there's probably 70 or 80 different business types that you can get into. Uh, you have the proven system for training, the ongoing support, and the, the knowledge that you have a structure and a proven way of doing the business, and you have other franchisees to also help you with questions, concerns, thoughts on how to improve your business. And because there's no infighting, because you all have a specific territory or region that doesn't cross over boundaries, you're not fighting over the same customers. So what that means to me is from having been in sales before, you go to a, if you've ever gone to a sales meeting or anybody's gone to a sales meeting, everyone gets together and says, all right, tell us about your great successes and what you did to become very successful in business this past year and that you may have won an award. Well, typically in, in that type of a meeting, someone is going to say, well, I did this or that, but they're not going to give real specific answers because they know next year those answers that they gave help someone else get better and that other person is going to be competing against them for any you know sales type of award. So you don't get the greatest of answers, but because you're protected in a franchise, everyone wants to help each other out. So... Those are some of the, the quick, brief reasons of why franchising can be very advantageous, and I think it really helps to know that you don't have to have specific industry experience. So, for example, there is a company that we work with that's in the automotive industry. We've been working with them for probably 10 or 15 years, and when we first started working with them, they were looking for individuals to own their franchise uh, operations individually that were in the automotive field that were mechanics. Well, they found over time that some of those owners actually weren't very successful because they ended up working in the business. In other words, they were going into the shop and helping out with the brake job, helping out with uh, the oil change, helping, looking, taking a look at that axle, work, looking at the, you know, what, what's going on with that brake line or that brake system or that brake job versus working with their customers, versus working with people in the community and networking and growing their business. So since then, in the last five years or so, they changed their business course with us, and they've said we're looking for people that specifically, typically don't have experience in the automotive industry. We'll train them. We'll get them the knowledge they need to understand the terminology, how to run the business, but they're never going to go into the shop and have to turn a wrench and help with a brake job. That's what the people that they hire are for gotcha. to do. They're there to grow the business, to help that business be more successful, and they gotcha. will train them and teach them. So, well, David, we'll talk a little bit more about that um, after we get off a break, but right now, sure. you're listening to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. You're listening to WQYLDB Waukesha, the talk and music you want to hear. At home, at the office, or on the road. Enterprise Now with LZ Flinnard. Your, your choice for business talk. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A battle is going on inside all of us, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil, anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good. 
joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and life. This same fight is going on inside you and in every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. I'd like to welcome our premier sponsor of the Enterprise Now radio show, the Waukesha County Technical College Small Business Center. The WCTC Small Business Center is a community service initiative of the college with one primary mission to help entrepreneurs start and grow small businesses in southeastern Wisconsin. The center offers a variety of low-cost to no-cost resources, including non-credit courses, services, and networking events, all designed to help real-world entrepreneurs succeed. Remember that passion without action is just a hobby. For more information, visit www.wctc.edu slash smallbusiness, then contact center manager Russ Roberts directly at 262-695-3468 or you can email Russ at rroberts at wctc.edu. Hello and welcome back to Enterprise Now. I am your host, LZ Flinnard, and my guest tonight is David Splitgerber with the Entrepreneur's Esource. And we were just talking about, um, before we went to break, um, the automotive program and how they found some things out and re kind of re reemphasized their program. Um, let's, let's finish talking about that, David. Okay. Oh, I think kind of where I left off was they the this particular automotive business uh, looked at how they were doing business with looking for franchisee owners and that were looking to invest into a business and just de- determined that the level of working in the business was much higher than working on the business and that tip and that was overall an overall statistic so it wasn't everyone so you know that's not to say that there were mechanics that you know or people that knew the automotive industry that worked in the shop that you know, could not make the transition because there are, and they still do accept uh, individuals that do have automotive background. But in general terms, they did say that don't let that be a hindrance and that the majority of their owners now that have uh, invested in this business have, are people that are outside the industry. So I think that brings to, to bear a, an important point that individuals think, Individuals think about, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to go into business for myself. What do I know? Okay, well, I've been in, a good example I use is someone that's been in sales, someone that, you know, let's say, for example, sold truck tires or sold tires. So if they sold tires for their entire life, so they're thinking, I need to go, buy, I need to buy into or invest in a business for tires because that's what I know. Well, if you sold tires, for example, you had to ask customers a lot of questions, right? You had to ask them, first of all, do you have a truck? Do you have a car? All right, if it's a truck, is it, is it off-road? Is it uh, for towing? Is it just for general use? Is it for summer tires you're looking for? Are you looking for winter tires for the winter season? So they had to get to know their customer. They had to understand what that customer's needs were and what their expectations were for what they wanted that ha- what their tires to do for that vehicle. So they understand how to sell is really what it is. And they understand how to learn what a customer needs and how to find a solution for them or help them find a solution. And that's really what that salesperson learned. So regardless of whether it was tires, they could literally sell teddy bears because they would need to answer the same things for a customer who was looking to, you know, buy a teddy bear. Well, is it for a girl? Is it for a boy? Are you looking for a specific color? Are you looking for something that's really furry or just has a, you know, a low nap fuzz? Are you looking for a large one, a small one, et cetera? So, I mean, I'm sure you get the point that that individual can, a lot of individuals typically limit themselves on what they look at or the direction they want to go because of their past history. And they, people need to look beyond that. And that's what we help with is helping people to look beyond that narrow focus of where they've been. I mean, I think we've all probably run into someone in our lives at some point or heard about someone that took that, you know, 90-degree turn 
that went from being in a business and went to something completely different. Well, how did they do that? Wow, that's spectacular. That's unbelievable. Well, they understood or learned through some way or some process that it was their knowledge and skills, and they could be transferred to other businesses, to other types of industries, and they just had to transfer those skills. And that's what we help individuals determine. What is your history? Where have you been? What have you done? And how can that work in different businesses? And because there are so many different franchises with so many different skill sets, that's what franchises are looking for, someone that may fit a, a specific skill set. So when I talk with individuals that are, you know, in the process, like, well, you know, I've, I've never done, you know, or I've done very little to no sales in my career. So I'm sure you can't find anything. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. There are businesses that are set up where you just put someone in place in the, in the sales role. That's what owning a business is about. Or someone that says, well, you know, I've sold a lot, but I've never really done a lot of P&L. I've never done, you know, having to do much bookkeeping or, you know, something to that effect or accounting standards. That's fine. There's businesses that are set up in that route that will help individuals in that respect, too, that say, all right, then either this is part of our franchise that's already set up, that that's part of the back office work that we will do, or we put someone in place. So don't limit your ideas and your thoughts about your future to necessarily what you've done in your past as a job. Look at your skills, and that's what we help individuals with. Look at your skills, your goals, your needs, your expectations, what you've done. We do assessments to help you with that. We talk about it, and we coach you through the process. So I'm not a broker, and I'm not a consultant. Because a consultant comes into a business and looks at a business, you know, I think we've all heard of what a business consultant is. They come into a business, they determine what's wrong, they tell you what needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. But really good consultants or a coach will come in and say, let's talk about this and let's figure out what makes sense for you, but then you need to help yourself too. I mean, you think about coaches, Oprah Winfrey has a coach. Mm -hmm. Bill Gates has a coach. Phil Phil Mickelson, the golfer, has a coach. So three different types of people and they all have a coach to help them through the process. And that's what we do, too, is coach you through the ability to determine what you can do with your future. There's a lot of possibilities. And it's designed, our process is designed to help individuals crystallize the results and find a new direction for yourself. And franchising has that ability to help individuals meet that goal for themselves. Is it for everybody? No. And let's be honest about it. It isn't for everybody, but it's an option for people that are saying I'd like to control my career and my destiny and have the ability to, you know, from someone coming from the corporate world, we hear it a lot, you know, I've made profits for a company for X amount of years. I'd like to put some of those profits in my own pocket. Fantastic. Let's talk. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in about a minute, tell us Mm -hmm. um, a little bit about the effects that uh, franchises in general have on the economy. Well, I can tell you in 2016, the gross domestic product of the franchise sector will will increase by about 5.5%, and it's about $552 billion uh, as part of the GDP of the country. So they account for about, I think it's uh, $2.3 billion in total economic output, which accounts for about 11% of the private sector economy in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. And it's uh, the number of franchises operated that are in business in the United States was more than 769,000 in 2015. And they account for about 18 million Americans, so about one out of every seven jobs in the private sector payroll. Wow. So, so, this, so this isn't a, a, you know, a small thing. This franchising is a, is a huge um, part of our economy. Absolutely. It really is. And out of businesses that are out there, the majority of businesses that are out there that are independent or small businesses, I should say, you know, specifically in small in the small business world, the majority are independent businesses. But the majority of the profits and income on, on the GDP actually comes from the franchises, which are a small percentage of about 15% of the total businesses that are out there. So okay. while they're a small percentage, they provide a, provide a large amount of the revenue into okay. the U.S. economy. Gotcha. Well, David, I, I'd like to... Um prep a little bit for the the upcoming break but i want to i want to come back to that um the economy uh, and franchises when we get back from the break um because i think that's important for people to to realize just how 
impactful franchises are. So I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about our contest again. If you have um, creative ability and you want to help WQIL DB Radio name our mascot, you are the person we're looking for. Go to our Facebook page, um, sign in, and uh, under the post there, tell us your, your most creative name. If you get 50 likes, we'll put you on a list for your name to be voted on. If your name, if the name that you submit wins, we'll send you 50 bucks. That's simple. Sign on, give us your name. If you get 50 likes, we'll send you 50 bucks if your name wins. All right. You're listening to Enterprise Now on WQYLDB Radio. You're listening to WQYLDB Wathasha, the talk and music you want to hear. At home, at the office, or on the road, Enterprise Now with LZ Flanagan. Your, your, your choice for business talk. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. Sometimes you can try so hard at something. Sometimes you can be so, so prepared and still fail. When you say, when you are where you are right now and you say, I can't take this, I can't handle this, I don't want any more, this is driving me crazy, you are saying, I don't want to go any higher. Most of you won't be successful because when you're studying and you get tired, you quit. I'm here to tell you today, if you got somebody came to my office the other day crying, I said, look, don't cry to give up, cry to keep going. Don't cry to quit. You already in pain, you already hurt, get a reward from it. Don't go to sleep until you succeed. Listen to me, I'm here to tell you today that you can come here, you can jump up, you can do flips, you can be excited when we give away money, but listen to me, you will never be successful until I don't have to give you a dime to do what you do. How much time do you spend working on you? How much time do you spend every day working on your dream? In the last 90 days, how many books have you read? In the last year, what new skill or knowledge have you acquired? What kind of investment have you made in you? Keep your agreements. Keep your agreements that you make and establish a network of people who will also do that. You gotta have an insatiable appetite for success, all right, for knowledge. You gotta want it as bad as you wanna breathe. You gotta believe. Believe in what? Believe in yourself, believe in your dreams. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to me, I challenge you. Why do I challenge Because I know you can. I know, listen to me, some of you, you're not even in the game. Can you do me a favor? Get in the game. You could be great if you just showed up. Get in the game. You want to be great. You want to do great things. You want to have greatness. You want to be great. I've often said a man's character is not judged after he celebrates a victory by, by, by what he does when his back is against the wall. So no matter how great the setback, how severe the failure, you never give up. You never give up. It's possible for you to live your dream. It's necessary that you associate with winners, that you work your system, that you are relentless, that you never give up. It's you. You've got to take personal responsibility. You've got to make it your personal business to make it happen. And you've got to resolve within yourself that I can do this, that it's hard. But you've got to say, I'm the one. I'm the one to make this happen. 
You're listening to WQYLDB Waukesha, the talk and music you want to hear. At home, at the office, or on the road, Enterprise Now with LZ Flinard. Your choice for business talk. Inspirational, motivational, and transformational. Enterprise Now on WQYL-DB Radio. Welcome back to Enterprise Now. I am your host, LZ Flinnard, and we have, if you're just joining us, we have David Split Gerber with us. He is from the Entrepreneur's Esource, and we have been sharing a lot of uh, intense uh, learning here. We're learning about franchises. We're learning about their impact on the economy. So, David, uh, before the break, we were talking about some of the statistics and, uh, with respect to franchises and how they impact our economy. Um, you have any other stats or um, kind of key figures you want to share with us? Yeah, a couple things. Uh, I, we kind of touched on a little bit uh, of the information about you know its percentage franchising and its percentage of increase to the GDP by 5.6% to $552 billion. That compares, uh, and that exceeds what the U.S. GDP, which is projected to grow at 4.4%. So it's an industry that is really growing, and it's growing larger than the average uh, portion of the GDP. Uh, $506 billion in private sector payroll. Uh, there's about 4,500 different franchises in the United States. So, again, there's a lot of opportunities in that respect. Uh, and I think we touched on that it's $2.3 2. in total economic output uh, in the number of businesses and what they provide. So franchises account for 8% of business outlets. I didn't have the ex- exact stats, but I was able to pull it up. They're about 8% of business outlets, but 45% of the revenue from businesses. So, again, small percentage of the actual units of business, but the percentage of revenue that they provide is amazing. Gotcha. And on that note, one of the couple of other statistics or things that, you know, people need to know about franchising is first of all cost. You know, everyone says, well, you know, I'd like to invest, but I can't afford a McDonald's or whatever subway where the case may be. I hate to mention restaurant names, but those are typically ones everyone <laughs> thinks of, right? So I don't have a million and a half dollars or a million dollars to invest in a business. And really franchising is something that can be, you know, gotten into for a much more realistic level, anywhere from, uh, I think the lowest leveler is somewhere around fifteen to twenty thousand, uh, and anywhere up from there. It just depends on what an individual is looking for and what they have for resources. And you know, on that note, we help individuals in that respect too. So that's not part of my direct business. I don't. Our company does not finance businesses, mm-hmm. but we work with some of the top financial institutions in the country that. Uh, do business loans, and that's all they do. So we work the top four business uh, companies for small businesses, and they do more small business loans for small businesses than pretty much the rest of the country combined. So they're very experienced at it. Uh, They're well-known in the business world for uh, what they do. Uh, They've been vetted. They're, you know, they're bonded, they're insured, etc. So they can help find ways. So there's multiple different avenues to fund a business and everyone thinks, well, and again, you know, on the note of, well, you know, even $20,000, I don't have $20,000 to, to, to buy a business. Maybe, you know, it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Understand that an individual doesn't need to have, or they're not cutting a check for $20,000 for a business. Mm-hmm. It's just like a house or a car. You put down a percent and then the rest is done through business loan or a, a method that's been utilized in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, a lot more is utilizing part of your 401k, which is completely legal, mm-hmm. completely 100% legal, and you do not, which everyone thinks, you do not have uh, a tax penalty that you can pay, that you have to pay on it. So, you know, that's something, you know, I can talk more with an individual, uh, individual about, but understand that that is completely legal. It's backed by the government. It's a, a method that they've determined is an acceptable way for to help people get into business for themselves. And then if someone has credit issues for whatever reason that might be, I have resources I can get them in front of to have them help work with their credit to get their credit rating improved. And sometimes it can be a quick fix within 30 days. Other times it depends on, you know, an individual and what their credit rating looks like. It might take a few months depending upon what the history is like. 
but it can be done. And there is a cost for that, of course, uh, but that cost can be part of your business expense and can be written off in part, as part of your business expense. So, again, that's kind of getting into the, the corporate, the taxing, you know, the, the, that end of the business, which is not my expertise, and I don't claim to be, you know, an accountant or a tax advisor, but those are the things that, you know, I hear and that we talk about with our clients and I can get them in front of the experts that can, you know, directly answer those questions. So we help individuals from the start of the process of I have no idea of what I want to do or where I want to go, mm-hmm. but I'd like to be able to research it and not have it cost me money to research it and to emphasize, you know, reemphasize, we don't charge anything. So I, I get paid, you know, so people understand, I get paid on the back end like an, like a recruiter. So a job recruiter, you work for a job recruiter, they get paid by the businesses. And I work with hundreds of businesses, so uh, I have no specific ties to a, you know, one or 10 or 20 businesses that I have to focus on like a, you know, someone else might. I have hundreds of opportunities, so it opens the door for an individual to understand that they can look into business in a safe environment. They can research, they can educate themselves and know that they're not signing any paperwork. Mm -hmm. They're not making any decisions. They get to explore opportunities to see if it's a fit. So I kind of touched on that before. A consultant will come into a business and say, you know, here's an opportunity that, you know, that fits for you. Research it and understand it. We, we put it in front of an individual a few options up front, and then they have the opportunity to explore them. And we find that's very important because then they can compare and contrast that bu- those businesses. So we found that keeping an open mind is extremely important in this business. Being in business, the company itself has been in business for 32 years, and my business is actually a franchise. So I don't know if I mentioned that up front. So my company, The Entrepreneur Source, is part of a franchise. Okay. And we have found that, you know, by following our proven system, 95% of our clients discover options that they may not have considered on their own or that they may have prematurely dismissed. So what we do is by having a client keep an open mind, they have the opportunity to learn about businesses. And they make, and honestly, we get clients that will say, I can't, I, I have no desire to do that business you're putting in front of me. Mm-hmm. Keep an open mind. All we're asking is you to look at the business and talk to these people a couple times. And what you'll find is that Funny enough, individuals that initially started out that way end up saying either, you know, of course, you know, maybe no, I'm right and no, I don't like that business, but a lot of times we end up placing individuals in business they initially thought didn't make sense or they didn't understand or that they thought was completely, you know, off base. Because by keeping an open mind and being able to research from the inside, because you can go, like I said, you can go online and look at a business opportunity and you'll get the glossy kind of cover brochure. Through the route, through what the entrepreneur source does, we help people to be able to look inside the business and determine for yourself and ask every question you want. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense for me? Does it not? Does it fit my goals? What kind of day-to-day activities does an individual do? And I get to talk to owners and determine that for myself, not somebody telling me, yeah, this is the fit for you. It's At the end of the process, it's someone saying, yeah, this is the fit for me, kind of like when you think about a house. The realtor can show you a lot of houses, but eventually through comparing and contrasting, you find what fits for you and what are the really important things and things that you initially thought were really important. Maybe they're still as important as they were at the start, but maybe they're not. And that's where the coaching comes in into play, that that's so important for individuals to be able to bounce ideas off of, compare, contrast, understand what's the good, what's the bad, what's the ugly, mm-hmm. where can we get answers to those questions? So, Gotcha. Well, what what I heard David say, guys, when if you're listening, is there is no excuse. If you want to go into business, um, we we talked um, a few weeks ago about the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner, and I think you hit on it earlier. Um, a visionary or entrepreneur, someone who you know they're creating new things, things that don't exist already. But the vast majority of people are people who are uh, looking to be business owners, and they may not know exactly what they want to do. They just know that what they're doing is not working. And so uh, Entrepreneurs eSource can come alongside them and say, hey, you know, we have uh, experience in this area. We've done this multiple, if not hundreds of time times. We can walk you through the process, identifying your skills, 
um, that you may have developed in corporate America and transferring those as David has done in his business, which is also a franchise and helping you find the right business for you. Um, so I think that's really a really good point to, to, to make David is that, you know, there's no excuse. If you want to be in business for yourself, you know, if you have um, less than perfect credit, there's help for that. If you need help finding financing, there's help for that as well. So I think um, those are all really good, good uh, points to bring out when, when talking about small business owners and people who want to own their own business. Absolutely. I think it's important for individuals to understand that there's life beyond what we consider, you know, the corporate America and having to be in that. Most people gravitate towards the job market because they want security. Mm-hmm. But job security is hard to find these days. Mm-hmm. It has changed. The world has changed. 30, 40 years ago, your parents, your grandparents, my grandparents, it was the one, you know, what did you hear about back then? Well, I worked for Company X for, you know, 35 years, 40 mm-hmm. years, retired. I had my corporate pension, got my gold watch, and <laughs> I'm going to be retiring. But what is the reality of the world today? It's company downsizings. It's mergers and acquisitions. It's company, big companies acquiring smaller companies, which eliminates and du- you know the duplication of positions and jobs. It's lengthy layoffs. That's the reality today. Thirty-seven percent of employable people have been out of work for six months or longer. Mm-hmm. It's the elimination of benefits. One in seven people do not have medical insurance. You know that there's healthcare and you know insurance available now. But still not everyone is insured, right? Mm-hmm. And 72% of Americans are working for employers that do not pay for full medical insurance. They pay maybe for part of it. There's longer work hours. It's less money. You're doing more work for less money. I mean, how many people have had that happen to them? I'll raise my hand that a company downsizes and says, all right, uh, yeah, we have less people, so uh, I need you to also pick up this part of the work and no, I unfortunately, no, I can't give any extra pay. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You get to smile and say, thank you very much. Looking forward to the opportunity to, you know, challenge myself. Mm-hmm. It's corporate bankruptcies. It's forecasted figures that aren't making sense anymore. It's massive pen- pension deficits. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about 50% of pension plans have been eliminated over the past decade. And those that, don't, that do exist, it's what, uh, $450 billion are underfunded. Social Security is not the same as it was. I don't know about you, but I, I know my grandparents expected to be able to live on their on their pensions. My parents are on their Social Security. My parents, you know, started saving for their retirement. Unfortunately, they did because what were we all told? You're going to be able to retire with your Social Security and go on and happily. <laughs> well, I don't know. The people I talk to lately, and, you know, myself included, maybe yourself too, I, was, mm-hmm. I look at anything I get from Social Security at this point in time by the time I retire, it's cash bonus. Yes. <laughs> a, little, a, little, a little extra spending money. Exactly right. So you have to have that control of your, of your career. And maybe it's a career that's for you, but the career, the career economy that we know, that traditional career economy is not the same. It's not there anymore. It's yeah. so different. The average length of employment, you know, as we kind of talked about, has, has dropped precipitously in the last 25 years. It used to be, like I said, you, a lot of our grandparents probably were employed for one company, maybe two in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Then it was uh, the baby boomers. I think they were, you know, 12 to 15 to 18 years. And then as it got to Generation X, it was 10, 7 to 10 years. Generation YZ and the millennials, it's even less. And, gener- mm-hmm. and the millennials, they're saying now, they expect millennials to change jobs every two to five years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's not the same. The yeah. level of uh, that corporate buy-in of that corporate security isn't the same. Gotcha. More and more people are believing and understanding they need to be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And that's what the statistics are showing. Like I mentioned earlier, that 40% of... They be, it's understood or statistics show that about four, they expect 40% of the American workforce will be self-sufficient in 2020. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, David, I hate to stop that conversation because we're, I mean, we're talking about some really good stuff that, um, that I think uh, moving in, as you said, into the future is going to become more and more important for folks. But tell us how we can reach out to you um, in about 30 seconds. Sure. Uh, you can reach me at my email 
D Splitgerber, D S P L I T G E R B E R at esourcecoach.com. I can be reached in my office at 262-514-2611. And I'm at LinkedIn at uh, just look up David Splitgerber, S P L I T G E R B E R. And my website, HTT or www.dsplitgerber.esourcecoach.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being with us. You've been listening to WQYLDB Radio. Talk to you next week. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.